incarceration dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus-y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of a black girl, an Asian guy, and a white guy, too. I'm Andrew. I use he, him pronouns. I am Asian. And my name is Bethany. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a black woman. And my name is Chris. I use he, him pronouns, and I am white. Uh, So we like to start off our podcast by talking about stuff that we wish we had mentioned or things we want to update or talk about. Our previous episode was a minisode about Taekwon Atkinson. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, do you want to give us an update? Yeah. Um, first of all, I just want to say, I thank Tess, our, our media goddess, for all the um, updates she's been putting out on on the, the socials. Um, Taekwon is still incarcerated as of today, which is the 26th of May. Um, he was acquitted um, back on April 6th. You can, y'all can listen to the episode to hear all of that. In any case, um, we are... On a push um, with Larry Krasner, our nationally known progressive DA, to... Quote-unquote progressive. There you go. To release him. Um, He's held on some really bogus charges at this point, and he should be home with his mother having um, turkey dinner and lasagna the way God intended. (laughs) And my update is about my cousin. I'm really excited. I got to meet her girlfriend, Ali. We went to a really nice restaurant in Old City called uh, Cuba Libre, um, which the food was all, the food and the drinks were all that. I've always wanted to go there. I spent way too much money, but it was worth it. But um, it was really nice to see my cousin in love. And I understood what all of that gushing was about. (laughs) She's a really, Ali's a really, really lovely girl. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, she was a lot of fun. And it was funny. My cousin is so reserved and she's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, things happen. And Allie was like, no, it's wrong. That shouldn't have happened to you. I was like, yeah, Allie, yeah, I like you. So I really think they're just a lovely couple. It was really nice to meet them. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's adorable. Uh, we like to hear what you guys are talking about in the Speak Up segment. This letter comes to us from a listener who is commenting on episode 52, Giving Up Whiteness. Uh, So the listener begins by talking about how they appreciate uh, what uh, Jeff was sharing in terms of how Jeff talked about how he had benefited from white affirmative action and the ways that society had benefited him throughout a lot of the 20th century. And he also talks, he also says, um, I think it was good that you are already thinking about how I think one way to avoid taking these ideas into colorblindness and ultimately complacency. White people can't think of whiteness as just a personal identity choice, Mm -hmm. but as a system that operates through institutions that rule over us all. Mm -hmm. Their explicit agreement is not needed and withdrawing it doesn't in itself stop racism. And that's the one. We need to take Jeff's historical analysis of the development of the development of race and consider how these categories serve a practical economic purpose today. So I really appreciate that email, mm-hmm. Beth. You're mm-hming through the whole email. You want? Yeah, to tell I forgot us I wasn't in church. I think because I you realized, are. yeah, I am in church. That's <laughs> why I'm not in a black church. That was really what I meant. Um, I think that's my um, concern mm-hmm. or. Um, the complexity that I hold with the concept of being able to give up whiteness. Mm-hmm. I think the analysis that Jeff provides is really like great, right? For people to individually um, 
relinquish their whiteness, Mm -hmm. but it is a broader system. Mm -hmm. And even when you decide to give up whiteness, whiteness does not give up on you in America. And whether you are electing it or not, you are being interacted with as a white person. So that's why I was given all those amens because, yeah, like... Yeah, whiteness still chooses you and blackness still chooses me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's the tension you might be hearing in our voices when you listen to that episode. Yeah. Because we we're listening to Jeff, who we really appreciate, talk about his experience of giving up whiteness. And I think the missing piece there is exactly what Rand is talking about. That giving up whiteness is just a piece of right of Right, the, seeing yourself as part uh, in the whole kind of social apparatus mm-hmm. where uh, you might give up whiteness, but society has put whiteness on you, mm-hmm. and that has to be part of the equation of mm-hmm. divesting from whiteness as well. Right, you have to learn how to renegotiate your whiteness internally as an individual as well as institutionally. Yes. Right, how do you interact with your money and yeah. your whiteness now? Right. right, how do you interact with? property and whiteness now all that family property and shit mm-hmm. that white people be having mm-hmm. in like ohio I, I think white people have property in ohio. <laughs> 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 i'm not sure but like yeah like you have to think about all of those aspects of whiteness right. not just the individual yeah and i think i want to add to like there are different ways to approach anti-racism right mm-hmm. so like Jeff is a white man that's speaking about his experience for a white man, and he speaks to other white men. Like, they need to, you need to learn how to deconstruct your whiteness and the safety of a group that's a reflection of you. Mm -hmm. And I think Jeff does a great job of that with white men. Yeah, agreed. So, um, today we're talking about anger. Beth, you were the person who originally wanted to talk about anger. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us why? I am generally in a, like, resting state of rage Mm -hmm. all the time lately. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to feel overwhelming. And I think, for me, I'm trying to figure out what this means for me, right? Like, my body, obviously, and my mind is trying to tell me something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also, like, it seems like the world is in this, like, constant state of rage, right? We Mm -hmm. see all of this violence happening in Philadelphia and around the world. Yeah. And I'm trying to reconcile it with myself or, like, figure it out with myself as well as faith, right? Like, what do we do with all of this rage in Jesus? Mm -hmm. I'm always... I say this all the time, but I feel like I throw Jesus on, like, Sesson, like, seasoning <laughs> at the end or something. <laughs> but, like, where does Jesus fit mm-hmm. into all this rage yeah. that I have? Because some of it's unreasonable. Well, it's interesting that you should feel that way. I don't, I have no, a, some of it is unreasonable. Some of it is unreasonable. Like, one of my okay. exes, I literally had the thought... You have his address. He gave you the code. You should break in that bitch's house. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. He uh-huh. carries a gun. I was just going to say. That's a bad idea. It's on so many levels. On so many levels. Uh-huh. That's a bad idea, right? So, yeah. like, that's the extremes of my mm-hmm. rage is like breaking into an ex boyfriend's house and just sitting there with my legs oh, crossed, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, like, the rage that I feel. That there's still a, a war going on in Ukraine, mm-hmm. right? For no fucking reason, mm-hmm. right? Like, so there's all these different levels of like extreme rage that I feel, yeah. constantly, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and that's, it's it's uncomfortable. Yeah, that I mean that's definitely true. And uh, I mean, I, in general, a lot of stories have been coming out about how 
murder and violent crime are going up just mm -hmm. because people are angrier. There are more motor accidents. So, like, there's generally more anger yeah. in, in yeah. the world. Mm -hmm. um, and also, yeah. obviously, like, there are all sorts of social things. Uh, I mean, what did James Baldwin say? To be black and conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage. Mm -hmm. um, but I like that you are... Uh, I don't want to say stepping back. I like that you, one of the things that you're interested in is seeing it through the lens of Jesus. I think you should give yourself more credit. You're not just putting Jesus on at the end like a Saison. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're, you're, you're trying to see it through the lens of, of Jesus, which yeah. I think is useful. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I know per me personally, I grew up thinking that anger is not Christ-like, uh, that anger is not something that Christians should be. It's all about getting rid of your anger and you have to be really calm and compassionate and forgiving. And um, the and anger or even worse, rage or wrath yeah. are, are inherently sinful. And the closer you are to Jesus, the less you'll display that. You'll just be kind of cool and patient. Mm -hmm. List out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, what, what was your experience of anger, Chris? Yeah, I... I mean, I think my experiences of anger have always been at coming out sideways, right? Like, mm -hmm. like, particularly for men. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, like, I'm interested in that for both of y'all. Well, and 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 I'm like personally, like, yeah, I, Beth, I I share it. Like, I I feel angry all the time too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I actually express quite a bit of it, and there's just so much left over. But like, yeah, my initial experiences in my, in my, in my home were just like. A just smolder, right? That like ended up with like, like never any physical violence, just like mm -hmm. this like expressed rage. Right. I mean, I definitely want to go into your personal experience of anger, but in terms of anger and faith, anger and faith. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we are probably coming out of a very similar um, association with anger as as somehow wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet present all the time yeah all the time all the time hmm. yeah did you have that experience where there was anger around me all the time yeah like my mom and my aunts are really angry women when they yeah. were younger yeah um they were really explosive so for mm. folks who were so religious <laughs> they were some really angry women mm -hmm. like rage Rage was an acceptable norm in my family. It wasn't until I had a partner that I realized how unacceptable my rage was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for me, too. Yeah. I feel like in my family, you were either A-OK -okay or you were furious. Yeah. Right. There yeah. was no in-between. Right. Yeah. So it's a weird relationship with anger because mm -hmm. there's no learning what to do with it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And I, like... I Even wanna... though you feel it, and they tell you as a Christian that you're not supposed to be feeling it, but then your parents are over here wilding out with mm -hmm. all this anger. Yeah, it's like I know y'all feel it. I, and you, I... beat my, you beat my ass when you felt it. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, and I'm like now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, my mother's actually very good at those ex at those expressions, like where they are like they're not coming out of nowhere, um, and she says what she feels. Mm -hmm. And 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 lets it rise, mm -hmm. <laughs> like so. I've, I think that's a really healthy habit. Yeah, and I so mm -hmm. I, I did have that perspective as well. Like, which is why, like in our church, nobody 
the women did not fuck with my mom. Like, like she did not have many friends in church because she just said what she was thinking <laughs> like mm-hmm. a person. Yeah. That's an interesting socialization thing. I don't think we want to go this deep into yeah. it. But it's interesting. Men are allowed to rage violently mm-hmm. and physically. Yeah. Women can't express their anger um, uh, explicitly. We're yeah. taught to express it passively. So typically, if you're an explicit woman, your relationships with other women will be weird because you're outside of the social norm. Men told my dad to get his wife in check. Oh, that's funny because the other wives were sick of her. Yeah. 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 It's very outside of the norm of how women are socialized. Yeah. So you're viewed as aggressive when you just state stuff I hadn't thought about this in a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Do you feel like you were given permission to be angry? Do you feel like you have continued to be given permission to be angry? I feel like we're yeah, we kind of having the prompt a little bit. We might as well sure, sure. This but I think yeah, like I I don't know if it was ever explicit. I had these two very different templates mm-hmm. of, uh, and so like I've done different things at different times. I think what I am left with, what I and 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 what I often follow, is that smolder more than just like the open expression of outrage mm-hmm. um, to like to vent and and move through it. And I will say, um, th- like you guys have said, like being in a partnership, a good partnership has actually like allowed me because Janine accepts that part of me to like express things in a moment. Um, even if I'm, even if it's like, I just have to say I'm angry just to like name the name it. And that is, that has been a gift, mm-hmm. a real gift. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like individuals give you that permission mm. or do you feel like society gives you more of that permission? Yeah, that's interesting. And individuals may have to like also give you that. Per- Does that make sense? So if the broader society allows you as a man and particularly as a white man to be angry, is it more so that individuals are allowing that as well? Because you've already been socialized that it's, way. The ins and outs of that are are, are really complicated. I've been yeah, trying that to. Was I've a been wild question. I've been trying to muddle to through you. that, like thinking about well, thinking I mean, about I, today. I don't think so I th- I feel like white dudes get to be angry in public. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like white dudes get to be angry in public? Chris? Oh yes. Oh yes. Like and then it, to that end, like in meetings, like I just say what I think. Mm-hmm. You know. Um all the time i don't ask anybody like and i'm not and always people gentle probably assume it's legitimate too i, I think, think they that's do the key part, i think though, they do because i i do i i feel like i feel like black women are expected to be angry mm-hmm. but that anger is illegitimate right yeah so whether or not our anger is attached to something that everybody is angry about. It's the expression of the anger coming out of a black woman's body that totally delegitimizes it. Right. It becomes threatening. It becomes threatening or it becomes cartoonish, right? So like, I think I have experienced white people even in moments of uh, grief, not being able to take my grief seriously Hmm. because it's viewed any sort of emotion is either viewed as delegitimate or um, this almost like cartoonish depiction of blackness, Mm -hmm. right? By cartoonish, do you mean like it, it is not threatening or it's, it can't be, shouldn't be, can't be taken seriously. It's almost like entertainment. It's entertainment. Yeah. 
like, oh, yes, this is, I have seen grief expressed like this in a movie. Are they going to knock this person out of the casket? Mm. Mm. Oh, they didn't do that. Like, it mm. was almost like we were being studied. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting. Emotions, anger specifically, but I feel like all emotions expressed by black women are mm. viewed within the lens of illegitimate she's overreacting Mm -hmm. or this is almost cartoonish or childish and not to be taken seriously Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think in a similar way it's the expectation on asians is that we don't have emotions Mm -hmm. that we are like compliant robot aliens that don't that don't feel Mm -hmm. um and especially as an asian man i think Asian anger isn't really, there's no real expectation or place for it in society. Mm -hmm. Uh, So similarly, like, I worry about my anger being taken seriously. And uh, oftentimes I assume that it won't. Mm -hmm. So I don't display my anger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are definitely coming from different places on that. I just assume I'm going to get to be angry. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I assume that if I'm angry, people won't. Will people will think it's it, people won't take it seriously? It'll be comical yeah. or it'll yeah. be strange, mm-hmm. but what it won't be is respected. respected. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I assume I'm gonna get arrested. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. no, if I get angry, this is dangerous for me. It actively is not dangerous for white people, mm-hmm. but they will think it is and it will become dangerous for me. Yes, right. so that's the response to my anger. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I mean, pulling it back around to the theology of anger and i don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because i feel like i i feel like a lot of christians get hung up on like is it like is anger biblical well of course it is because jesus threw the money changers out of the temple Mm -hmm. so it's okay to be angry Mm -hmm. remember what mr rogers said and it's like that's the whole message right but like that's such a low bar Mm -hmm. like it, just a plain reading of the Bible, and I think it's funny that on our outline here, Beth, you put the I Bible. Did. Oh, I did. you did yeah, that. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I just, I just did Chris a keyword like, search. That's not me. Chris no. did a Bible, <laughs> Bible gateway search for the word anger. There's, um, it's wild. It's a. Uh, I mean, th- and it's amazing. At no point the tr- the truth is in the Bible. The, the the Bible does not give any value judgment on whether on whether it's okay to be angry yeah it's just there it's just yeah. there it's as just a human there. emotion yeah. and a divine emotion yeah sometimes god is angry mm-hmm. sometimes we're angry sometimes god is angry at us mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. like jesus is is occasionally angry or you know move to passion or like he's people get mad it's just a thing that happens mm-hmm. in the bible yeah so asking like is it okay to be angry is kind of ridiculous it's like is it okay to be to be tired or is it okay to be sleepy? It's right. Like, it's a human thing that we experience. There are things in the Bible about uh, being slow to anger. Or right. Going I think to that's sleep, where it comes angry. from. Yeah. Like how, what to do with the anger, which we should probably talk about. Totally. But like in terms of like whether you should feel angry, like whether angry anger is a is an emotion that we should feel or is it itself inherently sinful is a ridiculous proposition. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I want to, I, the reason I'm talking about this so quickly is because I kind of want to move past this point, but I also want to address the fact that like anger itself is fundamental to the experience of being a marginalized person. Absolutely. And that means that our theology has to be angry. Um, Mm -hmm. and James Cone addresses this specifically 
in black theology and black power. And let me just read this as a way to like just summarize this whole thing, which is in his intro to black theology and black power, he says, this work then is written with a definite attitude, the attitude of an angry black man discussed with the oppression of black people in America and with the scholarly demand to be objective about it. Too many people have died and too many people are on the edge of death. In fairness to my understanding of the truth, I cannot allow myself to engage in a dispassionate, non-committed debate on the status of the black-white relations in America by assessing the pro and con of black power. The scholarly demand for this kind of objectivity has come to mean being uninvolved or not taking sides. Mm -hmm. But as Kenneth B. Clark reminds us, when moral issues are at stake, non-involvement and non-commitment and the exclusion of feeling mm -hmm. are neither sophisticated nor objective, but naive and violative of the scientific spirit at its best. Mm -hmm. yeah. When human feelings are part of the evidence, they cannot be ignored. Where anger is the appropriate response, to exclude the recognition and acceptance of anger, and even to avoid the feeling itself, as if it were an inevitable contamination, is to set boundaries upon truth itself. Which is like mic yeah. drop, James Cone. Mm -hmm. yeah. like, that's all mm -hmm. we need to say about whether anger, like the emotion itself is okay. Mm -hmm. Like yep. white theologians and white thinkers and white Christians who oftentimes don't need to be angry can write off anger as a negative emotion or mm -hmm. as sinful. Right. Mm -hmm. um, right. But they, they don't really need it. Yeah, right? They, right. They don't need it. They might not even experience it in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, so like they can just so their theology doesn't have to involve it. Mm -hmm. But for those who are marginalized, that experience of anger is fundamental to how we see the world. And mm -hmm. if God wants to relate to us, yeah. and if we want to relate to God, if God is anything like us, if we are created in God's image, that means that God also has to be angry. Mm -hmm. And we have to believe in an angry God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, can we agree that it's okay to be angry? I think it's okay to be angry, yeah. Ooh, if I didn't agree before, like, I am not fighting you now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I agree. I think it's I okay agree. to be I angry. Mm -hmm. I think it is uncomfortable being as angry as I am mm. without direction. Okay, yes. yeah, and let's go into that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's let's go into like. So you're talking about how sometimes this anger feels okay, uh, but sometimes you 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 think that it's unreasonable or maybe it's not okay. Are you seeing where the line is in your experience? I'm not sure if I ever feel like it's not, well, no, like the story I told earlier, I knew mm. that wasn't okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it's really individual like that, I'm mm. usually like, okay, that's that's not okay. Like mm. you need to suss through what you're actually in need of. You right. need attention, right? Like yeah. you're feeling unseen, work through that. I think what's really uncomfortable is the rage that I feel towards systems and how disempowered i feel by these systems as well yeah. yeah yeah it's really hard to sit with this much rage when i can't do anything right I like i agree with that when i had rage about sandra bland that's where turn up the bailout came from you mm -hmm. know what i mean like when i had rage last year about some things that were going on in the church i feel like that and other people had rage that mm -hmm. really propelled our reparations campaign right yes. like my experience in the past with rage has been that it has been a catalyst in my life mm -hmm. i have never just been at a dull simmer of rage because mm -hmm. i can't even figure out how to be catalyzed yeah. or where to go yeah you know what i mean yeah for me the kind of the rage that has nowhere to go this week is with uh, well, all of the shootings culminating in the 
Texas school shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the stories that are coming out, like, on an hourly basis about how little the police did anything. Oh, my God. I was just seeing some of that stuff today. I haven't been able to watch. Yeah. yeah. I haven't been able it's, to watch it. It's too much. Yeah. And, and it not only didn't do anything, but actively stopped people from doing from doing something. Parents. From parents from doing things. And, um, and, I, and I say this past week because, like, we had the about the shooting in buffalo and then a bunch of other shootings mm-hmm. including um the shooting in the taiwanese church in orange county and then, i didn't even hear about that one yeah it's like there are so many every day and then there's this, this elementary school shooting right um it's almost like you know cyberbullying didn't always exist right mm-hmm. like i feel like as it became more known as there was more access to the internet cyberbullying we had the language for it we know we recognize it right i'm starting to feel that way about like mass shooters like this wasn't a thing 30 years ago mm-hmm. now it feels like it is like a cultural thing that has like stuck mm-hmm. like when columbine happened it was such an anomaly now it it do you get what I'm saying where it's like becoming this like mm-hmm. distinct norm and part of our society? Well, I mean, it definitely is, even in the sense that like, do you, I don't remember ever doing live shooter drills in school. We didn't have them. They didn't I exist. think we did them. They didn't start until Sandy Hook. No. Right. Yeah. yeah, we didn't. But now it's a very normal part of even my, like my friend's preschooler has done live shooting, live shooter drills. That's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. That's insane to me. Yeah. Um, that the culture has shifted like this, that we have to teach a preschooler yeah. not to get fucking shot. Uh-huh. Like, and that's the thing. Like, it sh- that makes me mad. <laughs> yeah. It makes me really right? angry. It makes me really angry. And um, I agree with you, Beth, in that sometimes I look at how I'm feeling about this and I'm like, this is not sustainable or healthy for no, me. No, Like, I need not. to, like, the degree of rage that I feel... Uh, justified rage that has nowhere to go and i don't know it, it is like i feel like is bad for my health like yeah it's it got to be doing yeah. stuff to my like heart yeah and, i i feel like i've struggled with depression more over yeah, the last year totally yeah. i mean and we are a small circle of very active people who who like find ways to activate over the things we're angry yeah. about mm-hmm. like we're not sedentary people in the ways that we engage with that rage. There is just so much. There's so much to be enraged about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't even know how to support like uh, anti-violence or gu- anti-gun violence. You know what I mean? Right. I, I don't have any connections to that. That's a totally different field. Yes. And I also don't know how to support anti-war. I don't have any connections across <laughs> the world. You know, like there's so many things. I, I Again, I usually feel, like you said, we're empowered people. Yes. We affect change. That's where our friendship, how our friendship has formed, is yeah. the fact that we all feel empowered. This consistent, like you said, justified rage that has nowhere to go is so disempowering. It is like dehumanizing almost. Like mm-hmm. it makes me, what do I mean by dehumanizing? It almost makes me feel like I, I, like I can't recognize myself. Like where, what do I do with this? Yes, usually I know I what you. to do. Yeah. For me, because I tend to be dismissive of my own anger just because of, you know, all the stuff we were talking about, sometimes I just uh, kind of squish the anger down and then it just kind of becomes a generalized depression. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just kind of 
sad. Yeah. Uh, and it just go, I go straight to this, the depressive kind of side of things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and a large, in terms of, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, Beth, in that like, sometimes I'm looking at all the stuff that's happening and I think to myself, um, what does it mean? What does it mean to not be able to affect change? Like, what does the struggle mean? What is the point of the struggle if we are probably going to lose? If 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 there is nothing to be gained? I don't think we ever technically lose. I just don't think we reap what we've sown. Progress is always being made. See, that's, I mean, I want to believe that. Progress is always being made. Yeah, but what you're saying is, is what you're saying right now is a statement of faith. Is it? I, yeah, it is. Oh, I feel so confident. That's why we hang it out. It doesn't feel like a statement I mean, of I faith. I mean, yeah, like number one reason to spend time with Beth right there. That's so funny. Yeah, it doesn't feel like <laughs> a statement of faith. It feels like a fact. Like progress is always being made. Even you've talked about that, right? Like white people in society think that all the progress that we've made is like satisfactory, at least technologically. But like progress is always being made in a society. There's always some work being moved. We just don't experience it. Sometimes we don't reap all the benefits of what we've sown. And I think that's the part that's hard for me, right? Mm, Like mm -hmm, I know 50 years from now, some shit's gonna be different. Like we, we said this last year, we weren't having defund the police conversations when we started this podcast. So we have literally seen progress be made. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's good to be reminded of that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Because, um, yeah, it's good to be reminded of that. Uh, It's, we just might not, experience the progress that we want and what do we do with that depression and and that progress that i I, that the progress is a result of people working really hard for a really long time yes like none of the progress is achieved is has in any sense been inevitable Mm -hmm. uh or yeah it's it's a result of people trying this whole time um maybe maybe we're not meant to be this is such a random left field thought. Maybe we're not to, meant to be the angry pushers for this long. Maybe we should have been more intentional about mentoring people younger than us so they could use their energy now that we're tired. Mm. Yeah, that, that's why people have kids, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's true. I was talking to, my, to a buddy of mine, uh, and he was like, one of the things that I like about the fact that I have a kid is that I have this visible reminder of the fact that like, whatever I am trying to accomplish, hopefully my, my, my kid, my son here is going to, is going to continue it. Um, That's beautiful. You know? Um, and I know, yeah, that's a hopeful thought for a lot of people and I get it. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, Beth, that was quite a left. I really liked it. Maybe we're not meant to be the angry pushers. Yeah. We've been doing it a long time. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's why we're so fucking tired. I don't... Yeah, that might be true. I also... I don't think that we're... The tiredness or the anger is specific to us. And this is just becoming group therapy for the three of us. (laughs) I think it's good for the listeners, too. All of our our chats like this that are really personal Mm -hmm. usually do really well. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we, we have a lot of white listeners. I know them, they're mad. White people are always <laughs> mad about yes. something. You know. Yes. I do think that in terms of being feeling angry or hopeless against against the big things, um, it 
is helpful to do exactly what you're reminding us of, which is uh, kind of taking a step back and looking at things in a broader context. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I, Beth, I do think a lot of the like, a lot of the rage, like if, if like we're like qualifying like grades of anger, a lot of the rage is is at the, the point at which like I see all the things that are still wrong that I will never have the power or the time or the or like the resources, whatever, to change mm-hmm. them. Like that's where it goes from anger to straight up rage. That's a good point. I think it's the same for me. If I don't know what to do, I think it actually makes me angrier. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. And I'm hitting that I'm that hitting before. that point a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is like, but this is this is helpful. Like I'm like, oh, okay. So that's the, that's the field I'm entering in when I'm in when I'm enraged. It's it's like, okay, this is the point at which like I no longer have any mm-hmm. inkling of control. Mm-hmm. It is beyond me, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm so angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I mean, in that case, it could be helpful to recognize. Well, I mean, is is the anger helpful at that point? I think that's the point at which it shifts into something more toxic. Like, oh, interesting. It's not like at the point where I'm just sitting with that rage and just like getting more enraged. I think that's the toxic part. It's not like it's not the anger. Like the world has left us in a state of many things to be angry about. And mm-hmm. that anger often activates me into the kinds of places where I feel my fullest, my most useful and my most connected mm-hmm. at the point at which, because it's still about me, that I can no longer do all the things that I, I want to do, I'm entering into this, this state that's like just me centered. And mm. that's the toxicity. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that. That's, I, I think that's true for me, uh, even when I'm angry personally. Like when I start running in circles when I start ruminating when I start making plans to break into people's houses <laughs> uh, and I say that not as a reference to you but because I have had those thoughts oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one I thought I was nuts uh-huh. I was like I'm gonna just be sitting there in his house <laughs> walking and then I was like no 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 yeah. it's crazy but like when when I get to that point I know like oh this has moved beyond a, a helpful place yeah yes yeah, yeah. Which that's a lot of health. I want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that for all of us that yeah. like when we get to something extreme, we're mm-hmm. able to come back. Yeah, I, I want to name that that's very healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. That because, we don't think it's right. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Because not everybody does. Not everybody's able to do that. I wasn't even able to do that. Right. Like, twenty-two-year-old Bethany might have broken into his house. Amazing. Honestly, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, she might have. With one of her girlfriends. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm glad that you can acknowledge like, oh, this this is out of the realm of mm-hmm. righteousness at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm in need of something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that Saison, right? Like that's that, that's that Jesus space, really. That's just another place. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, we'll I say mean, more. like, like, like Beth, you're like, yeah, like this is not about that dude. It's about like I don't feel seen. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, 
I feel Oh, it takes Jesus from being Sasson yeah, to I like just, an actual All base that's happening for me is broth. I'm just feeling my most vulnerable. Yeah. Like I no longer have the power to exact the kind of change I want. It's out of my mm-hmm. hands. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes me angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it would probably make sense for us to uh I don't know, apply, apply this uh, right now mm-hmm. and talk about stuff that actually uh, makes us angry. Yes. Um, <laughs> my, my, my transitions today are not transitions. Yeah, <laughs> your transitions like, are off. Usually your transitions like, are on yo, point. What's like going doorways. on? <laughs> Maybe it's the rage. <laughs> it's throwing off your transitions. Yeah. But that is a good question. What is particularly like peaking our rage yeah, right now, yeah. right? What are we Absolutely. wrestling with yeah. in these moments? Yeah. I talked a little bit about this earlier um, before we started recording. But for me, the, my nuanced experience with white women allies has been really enraging for me. Mm-hmm. Because what I've been experiencing from white women is this really again, nuanced dehumanization where I'm only used as a prop for their individual points, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there was a woman um, that I could tell formed a friendship with me because she just wanted me as like an assurance. And I said earlier, a balm to this like, uh, you're a racist sting that she received. Mm-hmm. And that's really painful. Like, I think it's really painful because I know myself, right? And like the ways white people can dehumanize you and not even try to get to know you Mm. is really Mm. insulting. Like I'm a really good friend. Mm -hmm. You should actually want to be my friend. So Mm. I have great parties. I cook good stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm fun to talk to. Mm -hmm. Right. But you don't care anything about that, about me as an individual. I was needed as a prop to position yourself as somebody who's anti-racist. Right. Mm -hmm. And that sucks because it's like oh i'm such a i am so fully aware of the fullness of my humanity Mm -hmm. and that means nothing to you like that is so alarming to experience from somebody who particularly purports to be an ally Mm -hmm. and i have had that experience with other white women in different ways so like yeah that that's enraging to me like i want i want to support your experience where women we you know wage gap shit like that titties whatever like i want that right what Mm -hmm. breast cancer whatever we're doing like let's support each other but you can't get past my blackness to even see the way we relate to each other in our womanhood right like there's like my blackness my blackness almost kind of diminishes my womanhood i feel like mm-hmm. like i think that's why i mentioned yeah. titties i'm like we're women like we got all the same stuff yeah and yet like yeah. blackness is so gendered that even with white women i don't really think they see me as the same type of of woman as them mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah Oof. yeah white women have been getting on my nerves lately mm-hmm. yeah for real I, I mean the anger sounds justified Mm-hmm. Are you? Do you feel it creeping into places where you feel like it's not justified? Or? It makes me not want to work with white women. Yeah. So I have been in community when I was younger with organizers that refused to work with white people. And I remember thinking that that was extreme, right? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have a huge judgment on it, but I remember thinking that'll never be me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm working to collaborate with all of us. Now I'm like, I am not working with white women. 
That's it. Like, like I'm, I'm putting my foot down. I do not collaborate with white women. And that feels weird. Mm-hmm. That feels unlike me, but it also feels so necessary for the experiences that I've had. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why would you keep putting yourself in that place? Why, why am I going to keep on fooling with white women yeah. when they're only the some of the ones that I have worked with? And then on the other side, some of my colleagues that I had in other organizing communities have been amazing white women. But in my experience... <laughs> Um. Yeah, it's it's not about real collaboration. It's about making sure that you win, right? right. Mm, it's right. not about any of the intersections of my black womanhood. Right. It's all about whatever your experience is in your womanhood as a white woman. And there's no room for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bethany makes me look good. Bethany makes me look good. Bethany does community activism. Bethany is a consultant. Mm-hmm. Bethany Bethany can only benefit me, but I don't actually want to know that, like, Bethany really likes SpongeBob. You know what I mean? Like, none of that <laughs> Bethany, nuance Bethany matters. Bethany really likes Bethany SpongeBob. Bethany does really. Actually, I do think even white women that make me a prop know that I like SpongeBob. <laughs> I think it's hard not to know that I like SpongeBob. But yeah, just to have my humanity robbed by people that are saying all the right words is particularly pissing me off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's just... I, the the thing that's kind of at the center of my my anger and my rage is the is the realization that the work we're like the like the support we've we've grown around Taekwon and his mother mm-hmm. like this is for one person in a like the fight to change one person's mind who has power to drop charges against him is monumental when you multiply that out by everybody else that we are not talking about mm-hmm. who's in the same situation. Mm-hmm. I can't fathom that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, when I think beyond Taekwon into like just how endemic of an issue this is, I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. Immediately, I'm tired. I'm despondent. Um, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm taken out. Mm-hmm. I'm taken out in that thought. Hmm. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what, what can you practically do beyond yeah. this one person? Yeah. And you know, there's so many people yeah. out there like him. Yeah. What's making you angry? I'm even hesitant to say this. I've been really, I find myself being really annoyed at people with children. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What do you think that's about? I think what it's about is that I feel like... <laughs> People with children are making you angry right now. Yeah, my friends with kids are okay. making me mad. Mm. Oftentimes it's not any... The way that it expresses itself is that I will find myself particularly annoyed at them when they do something minor or, I don't know, at any, any other thing that I might brush off... Um, when they like, I don't know, they're they're late or they don't show up or they can't do something mm-hmm. or they, they give me something on not on time or whatever or they don't text me back, like it it's I think it's because looking at the state of the world, I just feel like it's not a good place to be in, and so the the idea of bringing a child into this planet, uh, in the middle of a pandemic with war and literal yeah, war okay. famine okay um climate change uh the, just the whole 
misery of human existence <laughs> just makes me like it makes me think like are are you do you see something i don't like what is oh. like why it makes me feel crazy like that that i think that things are this is not a good place to be in terms of this reality. We should not be bringing more people here. Yeah, but I think the thing is I keep reminding myself that it is tied into uniquely... It is tied to my depression mm-hmm. and whether I think existence is worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I am at times <laughs> at the, at points where I feel like existence maybe not so worth it, I look at other people that seem to think existence is worth it and I... um. And I get mad at them. And it expresses itself as anger. Yeah. Um, So a part of me is, like, looking at, like, the way that parents are reacting to this Texas school shooting. And I am, like, I... It's heartbreaking to see parents relate to other parents that have lost their children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another, like, kind of spiteful part of me is, like, I'm glad I don't have kids. So I'm I don't glad. even have to worry about the so school So I don't have to think issue. about this because yeah. this is what happens when you exist on this <laughs> plane. And you bring more kids in. Yeah. yeah. That's a really interesting thought, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we haven't responded to the school shooter issue. So it almost feels res- irresponsible right. to be bringing more children like, into this world with right. this issue. You, why would you leave your kids at a school? Yeah. Yeah, so is it almost like the hopefulness that they have as expressed through your children through their children is particularly irritating for you? I think yeah. I yeah. think because like that hopefulness seems so inaccessible to mm-hmm. me and I almost think like sometimes it's born out of ignorance. Like they're not paying attention so they which or they don't think through things or and I'm kind of jealous of that ability to not pay attention and I wish I didn't have to think about things so that maybe I could be ignorant enough to have children mm-hmm. so I'm I'm yeah I'm expressing some kind of contempt here mm-hmm. which I don't love about myself uh but like this is but yeah this like that's what you feel yeah. yeah so I expressed a lot of contempt towards white women so mm-hmm. yeah I appreciate that solidarity mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah so that's where I am and like I Again, like we're actually on the same page because I think when people think say like, "What about the women and children?" They're actually mm-hmm. thinking of white women. So we're mm-hmm. kind of talking about the same people here: yeah. <laughs> white women and children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so frequently, people use their children as an excuse to make bad or dumb decisions, um, or remain indecisive, maybe, or remain indecisive. Wait, same. I I want to agree with you, but what do you? Yeah, what are you uh, saying? well, I don't. Know. I mean, I guess like. I don't know. The kids might have soccer practice. Yeah, I think that's what I'm talking about. Like, I feel like people put their indecisiveness on their kids. Mm -hmm. It's like you tell that motherfucker what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, you're yeah. Or yeah, or or they use their children as an excuse not to, not to take risks Mm -hmm. or yeah. um, Yeah. Your body language is even funny as you're talking about that. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm really uncomfortable. I am really uncomfortable. Because I think it's hard to talk about kids and that shooting did just happen, right? Yeah. So it's an uncomfortable time to talk about like children and people's relationships with children. Yeah. But I do, I don't, I think that's a separate issue. I think the point that you're making of like, you you had these fucking kids in this crazy world and then they you use them as an excuse not to make the world better mm-hmm. fuck you like i can understand that tension yeah yeah and um i 
I get that a lot of it is bound up in like in general how I'm feeling about the state of the world and I I all of my friends kids are delightful like I like them all mm-hmm. and I don't wish that they didn't exist yeah um, yeah so it's complicated it is complicated yeah. for me uh, and I what helps is just uh, sometimes is doing exactly what we were talking about earlier which is like taking us a, a step back and seeing it through a bigger picture mm-hmm. um, I think that bigger picture is what I was referring to earlier when I said, oh, there's like a message here, right? Mm -hmm. Like the way our anger shows up and where it shows up Mm -hmm. really is a voice that we need to listen to, right? Like (laughs) anger showing up in the way your friends talk about their kids, there's a message there, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems like you're clear that the message is you don't have that much hopefulness, right? So what Mm -hmm. do you need to do to take care of yourself? Right, yeah, precisely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That that anger is Giving voice to anger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anger, yeah, anger is a mirror that we need to look in, I think, Mm -hmm. and see what's being reflected to us. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's great. are we going to talk about angry songs and also what we're into? Or what we're into the angry songs? So I think we should do angry songs and what we're into, but there's going to be some like, I'm just into music this week. So we can just tell the listeners that in advance. Okay. You're going to hear a lot of music suggestions from me. So my angry song, are we doing that right now? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. My angry song is Headstrong by Trapped. Headstrong to take you on. Headstrong to take on anyone. I Whoa. love that song. That was came out when song. I was in eighth grade. I was not expecting mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I, you know what's funny? I thought about it. I can't relate to like gangster rap rage, right? Because I'm from the fucking suburbs. Like, I'm black, but, like, I don't know about slang and yay. Like, I don't know about that Uh shit. But, like, eighth grade and my parents pissed me off. Headstrong. I I can't really fuck with DMX like that because I don't know. I'm from Middletown. (laughs) It's all worth it just for that. It's all worth it just for that. I really thought out why that was my song. I'm like, Bethany, you're like a black power person. Like, you don't want no other. No, it's Traps Headstrong. That's so hilarious. I mean, because I feel like mine is completely on brand with a white kid from the 90s. Go ahead. (laughs) Like, it's Bullet with Butterfly Wings by Smashing Pumpkins, which is like, which has this refrain, like, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Oh, right, yeah. That is such white boy drama. It is. It is. It's... It's like it's you playing Nintendo. I should be so mad. It's me. It's me in my car driving too fast down the street to get to my house after work, (laughs) mostly. But yeah, um, it's that song plays like if if they could figure out a way to like cash out on songs that just play in your head at random times, like Smashing Pumpkins would like they'd have all my money. That's so funny. It is funny. (laughs) Um. My suggest my my angry song, in terms of a song that I actually listen to, when I w- when I'm angry, I was thinking about cheating and looking and like picking a different song, but I, mm-hmm. I guess we have to be honest here. Uh, is is a piece of classical music? It's Bach's Partita Two in D Minor, the fifth movement, the Chaconne. Oh, okay. Uh, I know. <laughs> so it's for solo violin. Um, and Bach, it, the 
the Partita 2 in D minor has five movements, but the last one is like longer than all the other ones combined. He wrote it after his wife died. And the only way to play it is like by playing it like you're like you you're fucking angry at your bow. Like you want your bow to break. The, the oh, first thing is just like and it like covers the whole instrument. Um and uh Oh nice. That dramatic. is hilarious that your rage song is like Bach. Yeah. Yeah, Bach. <laughs> Bach is known for being like mathematical and precise, but Partita Two and D Minor Fifth Movement, the Chaconne, feelings. Yeah, it's straight, straight up, up feelings. Now I want to look it up. Oh yeah. man, did you write it down? Oh, I didn't. I'll, I mean, can you write it on yeah. here so I can look it up? Maybe I'll, 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 I'll uh, that's shoot the, it over to test. That's the only song. Oh yeah, that's yeah. the only song that like is outside of copyright. And Andrew plays the violin. I've never been able to play the Chaconne. It's been a dream. Of mine, don't. But I, I mean, we do don't know. What do we know? <laughs> yeah, you can fuck it up. We have no we idea. We don't know. You know what's funny? Somebody posted on my Facebook recently that um, Lizzo's not that good of a cello. What does she play? She plays a flute. A flute player? <laughs> and I was like, yo, I thought she was fucking killing it because I don't know how to play anything. Yeah. But I thought that was hilarious. They were like, Ugh, she's a little tone. Her, her tone's a little bit off. So anyways, we would have no idea. Yeah, yeah no. I think Lizzo's amazing. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, so the last thing we'd like to do is talk about whatever we're into this week. <laughs> uh, so Beth, you've got some more songs for us. I do. <laughs> so I have been into sappy love songs and I just discovered Broken Hearted by Brandy. It's from her first album in like 1994. Um, I'm also into Hurt Me So Good by Jasmine Sullivan, who is a Strawberry Mansion native, went to Kappa, and Hard For Me To Love You by Shanae Hartnett. And that whole album, um, Ready Is Ready Is Too Late, Ready Is Always Too Late by Shanae Hartnett is um, really fantastic. So I'm super into sappy love music. Mm. Heartbreak songs. <laughs> I wish I had something like deep and esoteric, but for me right now, it's... it's um the final season of better call Saul. oh Oh, yeah i didn't even realize that was still on yeah yeah um i think the thing that for me i'm into right now is i have a new co-worker and that's what we talk about it's like (laughs) it's nice to have like a buddy who you like talk about tv shows with and we're both like super into the show right now so like we get into the weeds and it's really fun it's really fun. fun to have that kind of a connection with somebody yeah cool um i am into uh cape may new jersey Yo. I'm going to be in Cape May, New Jersey tomorrow. That's really? funny. Yeah. Why? My friend's getting married That's at awesome. Lemur Resort. Oh, right on. Yeah. Cape May is like my favorite beach town. Oh, it's yeah. Amazing. Oh, really? It's got like the biggest so collection cute. of Victorian, existing Victorian architecture in the U.S. It's, oh, really? Yeah, it's super cute. It's very okay. walkable. It's a great town. But mm-hmm. the reason that I'm into it is because I was there again last week and I like, I've been going down since I was like uh, for a long time because my friends and I used to go down there. But there's a there's a new museum. There's the Harriet Tubman Museum there. Oh, interesting. What? Uh, because Cape May has deep roots in black history. Interesting. In that it used to have an entire, it used to have so many black owned businesses and an entire district of black people and a vibrant uh, black community. And I mean, Harriet Tubman was there in 1852, um, but they were it was they were systematically like evicted. Until today, there are only like three black-owned businesses left in Cape May, and it seems like a very white town. But it like just goes to show you that like history can be erased. History can be erased. Mm-hmm. Like there was this, 
Like you, you go to Cape May today and you're like, oh, I guess it's always been segregated. Right. But that's not true. They this this was a systematic intentional Jesus. decision. Mm-hmm. So Cape May, New that's Jersey. Everything though, right? Mm-hmm. Like Central Park, I think was was like an area that was owned by. Uh, enslaved persons right mm-hmm. and they got ran out like mm-hmm. the history of black folks being run out because white people want our property it's happening in fucking philly right now right yeah. like there's yeah. different iterations of it all the time yeah so i'm not surprised by that so i mean As I'm, a I'm all for your cape may trip <laughs> i think we should i think there should be a concerted effort to make cape may more black I think people should support that Harriet Tubman Museum. Yes. Do you want me to walk out and be like, I'm here and I'm black as <laughs> yeah, like, soon as I get out of the car? I like, just like, there is a, the, there is the, there was a historic AME church there. There was a fire there in 2018. Now it's just a shell. Next to it is like uh, a black elementary school. And it's like, it's a historical monument, but there's like n- nobody there. And then there's the Harriet Tubman Museum. We It needs to exist again. Yes. Like it's yeah. an injustice that, that needs to be remedied. Yes. If I could, if I could support reparations for one town if i was like if i had bezos money i would make like blackifying cape may my personal pet project that's so funny cape may black again i need to work on that that's long Uh. we'd have to find out if black people want to make it black again (laughs) i mean i'm just saying yeah um but i hear what you're saying yeah Yeah. i've been going to this place forever and like the fact that this was just i don't know yeah Yeah. it feels personal to me Mm because i love cape may you know Mm -hmm. okay um, special thanks to Joe Mahoney, our audio engineer, and to Tess Patino, our social media goddess. Jared Selby does our theme song. And be sure to reach out to us and let us know about your Jesus following and the anti-racism work that you're doing. Um, is that typically what I say? No, you're, you're off, you're off script. Keep going. Oh, I forgot that Amy Young does our website and logo. We're all, all we're over just the place. all I'm over sorry. the place. Um, just let us know about how you're Jesus following. If you're a white woman, <laughs> don't write, you know, <laughs> but let us know what's going on for you, because the work of anti-racism and Jesus following is difficult and we want to hear from you. So go to our website, colorcorrectionpodcast.com and drop us a line. And with that, stay black, Little Mermaid. a lot of trouble with this mic i keep slapping it are we gonna are we gonna are we really gonna tell white women not to write you can write us white women you can write us write andrew and chris that's right tell (laughs) tell beth she is seen and loved yes so she doesn't go break into her old ex's house All right, great. I'd be okay with people telling me I'm seen in love too, actually. You know what's funny about my sappy love songs? So I've been listening to a lot of like heartbreak songs because it's just been my vibe. And my neighbor came out on.